السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد so uh, quick, quick, quick apology uh, sometimes it takes us a few minutes to get the online portal up and running and the feed running so that's why there's been a slight delay but alhamdulillah I think we're uh, up and running now so inshallah this week um, we are going to aim to finish the basmala inshallah right, bismillah rahman rahim as we've been doing for the last couple of weeks um, last week we spoke about the in-depth meaning of the basmala and in particular the two names of Allah Azza wa that are mentioned in the basmala ar-rahman and ar-rahim and the differences and so on in today's lesson we have like three or four issues that I wanted to cover number one um, is and like three out of the four kind of like fiqhi issues uh, number one is whether or not the basmala is part of surah fatiha so is bismillah rahman rahim part of surah fatiha number two therefore is it an obligation to read it in salah or not so in your prayer do you have to read the basmala or not and number three, is it something which you read aloud or silently, whether inside the salah or outside of the salah? And then finally, number four, the fourth issue that we wanted to kind of cover is um, the different places where it's sunnah to read the basmala as we did with the isti'adha. There's certain times and places where it's recommended to seek refuge in Allah or seek Allah's protection. Likewise, there are certain times and places in which it is recommended to begin with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So three of those four issues are like fiqhi issues. And um, having thought about this for the past couple of weeks, I think what we're going to start doing in these classes is um, the fiqh issues, we're going to mention them, but not in so much detail. So in the past couple of weeks, we've kind of been going through some depth and you know, into some detail concerning the fiqh issues um, that are mentioned in the Qur'an. And there are numerous issues that will come from time to time that are, time to time that are fiqh-related that we will inevitably have to cover and shed some light on. But I won't make this into a fiqh class in the sense that we're going to start going into the different scholars and their views and their opinions and their deleels and so on. Because I know that Sheikh Isa in our sister program on logical progression, he's doing the fiqh side. So I think because he's doing that anyway, it doesn't really make sense for us to repeat something that he's going to be doing anyway, inshallah. Especially at the moment he's in, uh, for, you know, from what I know, he's in the chapter of prayer. So I'm sure he's going to be mentioning many of these issues with regards to Fatiha and the Basmala and so on. It kind of comes under the chapter of fiqh. We will mention them because if it's mentioned in the Qur'an, you know, and that's like the ocean of the Qur'an, everything comes under the Qur'an. So if it's something that's in the Qur'an, we will speak about it. But maybe not to the level and depth that you would find in a fiqh class. And likewise, I think if there's something else that has been uh, well studied and well researched and well delivered by another sheikh or another speaker and it's easily available and widely available then again i don't think that that's something that we're going to go too deeply in so for example you know just off the top of my head sheikh yasir qadi has like an extensive seerah series right he has done like well over 100 lectures on the seerah of the prophet وسلم, and i don't know of anything similar to it in the english language it doesn't make sense for me to then start every time there's a verse of the seerah that we go into the whole history of the incident and the background and it doesn't make sense what I'd rather you do for those of you that want that further information is you go back to Sheikh Yasir Qadi or you go back to um, you know like another source and so on so we will mention this stuff because it is in the Quran and therefore it requires us to mention it but maybe not to the level and depth 
that you would have otherwise. If it's not something that is mentioned, it's not something that's easily available, then inshallah we will discuss it to some detail. So I think that way we can kind of keep moving on with the class, number one, and number two, we're not going to be repeating something that someone else has already done. So bearing that in mind, the three fiqh issues today, I'm going to touch upon the two of them lightly, and one of them in slightly more detail. And the one that I'm going to touch upon in slightly more detail is the one that we'll begin with, and that is whether or not the basmala is part of Surah Fatiha. And the reason why I'm going to go into this one in slightly more detail is because it is a major issue that the scholars of Tafsir mention often in their works of Tafsir. It's a big issue. Is the basmala, Bismillah rahman rahim is it part and parcel of Surah Al-Fatiha? Or what is the standing of the basmala in general? Is it a verse of the Qur'an? Is it not a verse of the Qur'an? What do we do with the basmala? So with isti'adha, it was very simple. The scholars agreed that the isti'adha in the format of A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim isn't a verse of the Qur'an. Yes, you should say it, and yes, the command to say it is given in the Qur'an, but the verse itself, or the statement itself, is not a verse of the Qur'an. As opposed to the basmala. The basmala is an issue of major difference of opinion, as we'll see. So the first point to remember is that the scholars have agreed unanimously that the basmala is a part of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Naml, in the verse in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, in the story of Sulaiman alayhi salam, when the hudhud bird you know, comes to Sulaiman alayhi salam and he says that I found a group of people who worship the sun besides Allah. So Sulaiman alayhi salam says to the bird, I will see about this, right? Whether you're truthful or not, we will see. I will write a letter to this queen and I will ask her to come to me and to come to Islam. So he writes a letter to her and Allah Azza wa says that he begins the letter, Innahu min Sulaiman wa innahu bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Right in Surah Al-Naml, we've given the reference for that before. Um, it's verse number 30, Surah Al-Naml. So... He says that indeed this letter is from Sulaiman and it begins with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And that's a verse, verse number 30 of Surah An-Naml. So therefore the basmala in that regard, it being a part of Surah An-Naml, is a verse of the Qur'an, right? By by the consensus of the scholars, it is a verse in that format. What we're speaking about now is whether the basmala that we read at the beginning of every surah, is that a verse of the Qur'an? So don't get confused between the two issues. The first one, the scholars, you know, it's mutawatir. The scholars have agreed, there's ijma'. The second issue is that when we come to read a, bas- when we come to read a surah, surah Fatiha, surah Baqarah, surah Nas, surah Falaq, surah Ikhlas, and we begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Is that Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, that basmala, is it a verse of the Qur'an or not? And this is where the scholars differ over a number of, into a number of opinions and views. And we're going to mention four of the strongest of those views, the four strongest views, and there are others as well. The first of them is that the basmala isn't a verse of the Qur'an. It's not a verse of the Qur'an. Yes, you can read it, and it's fine to read it, but it's not a verse of the Qur'an. It's like the isti'adha, right? So just as you read the isti'adha, but it's not a verse of the Qur'an, this opinion says, likewise, the basmala, you read it, but it's not a verse of the Qur'an. And this is the opinion um, that is mentioned on Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala that this is his opinion and the opinion of his madhab. And some of the scholars said that Abu Hanifa has a narration, similar narration to that. He has more than one opinion in his madhab. One of them says that it's not a verse of the Qur'an. And likewise it's reported on Imam al-Awza'i rahimahullah. 
and it's also a narration in the madhab of Imam Ahmad. When we say that it's the narration in the madhab, it means that the madhab of the Imam has multiple opinions, multiple views. That's one of them. Right? That's a narration. Whereas Imam Malik, that's his madhab. Right? That's the opinion of the scholars of the Maliki madhab. Why do these scholars say that it's not something which is part of the uh, part of the Quran? It's not a verse of the Quran, even though you can read it. From the reasoning that they give is that it's reported on a number of companions and, and by the way like many of the hadith that all of these different views will bring to you are the same evidences they bring the same evidences but the understanding of those evidences may slightly differ right? and that's why you get the difference of opinion so there are numerous uh, evidences or numerous hadith in which it is said that the Prophet وسلم, and he will lead the prayer what would be audible what the people would hear him begin with is Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Right? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. So therefore they wouldn't hear him say A'udhu Billahi Min Shaitan Ar-Rajim. They wouldn't hear him say Bismillah Rahman Ar-Rahim. They would hear him begin with Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Right? And this hadith is reported by Abu Huraira and Anas and a number of the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and their authentic narrations. So it seems as these, as, that these scholars held the opinion therefore that because it's not something which was said by the Prophet wasallam, it's not something which is from the Qur'an. Right? It's not something which is from the Qur'an. So that's the first opinion that these scholars hold. And obviously you can you know, easily reply to that and say that just because the Prophet didn't say it out loud doesn't mean that he didn't say it to himself. Right? Just because he didn't make it heard or audible doesn't mean that he didn't read it silently, right? Just as when we begin the prayer and we say, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdu, these are, this is silent dua that, that no one else hears. And so therefore that's like something which some of the scholars said. Ibn al-Arabi rahimahullah, one of the famous uh, Maliki scholars, he has a book called Ahkam al-Quran, which he went through the Quran and he took out all of the rulings of fiqh and he placed them in a single work. The rulings of fiqh and he called them Ahkam al-Quran or the rulings of the Quran. And he's a Maliki scholar. Ibn Arabi, rahimahullah, he says that this was the practice of the people of Medina from the time of Imam Malik back to the time of the Prophet wasallam, that they wouldn't read the Basmala. That they wouldn't read the Basmala. Right? So the Malikis in their madhab they have as one of the sources that they use of legislation is something that they call the Ijma' of the people of Medina. Ijma' Ahl al-Medina. A consensus just of the scholars of Medina. Consensus means agreement, right? Agreement just of the scholars of Medina. No other madhab accepts this as a source of legislation. They don't say that if the scholars of Medina agree on something, even if everyone else disagrees, that's enough, right? Because the scholars of Medina have more precedence. No one else agrees with that principle, but Imam Malik does. Imam Malik holds it to be something which people should give weight to. Because Medina is the city of the Prophet ﷺ, the city of revelation. So if the Prophet ﷺ left his companions with something, and then those companions taught it to their students, who taught it to their students, to the time of Imam Malik, and Imam Malik is from the students of the students of the companions. Right? His teacher is the student of Ibn Umar. So he's like the third generation. He says that that constitutes a type of ijma', a type of consensus. So he says that it's not reported in Medina that the scholars of Medina from the time of the Prophet ﷺ until his time, would read the Basmala out loud. Right? Would read the Basmala out loud. Therefore, the Basmala isn't a verse of the Qur'an. And again, as we said for the first evidence, that just because it's not something which is said out loud, doesn't mean that it wasn't recited quietly. Right? But this seems to be the opinion of the Malikis, and it is the opinion that they favor. 
Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah and other scholars, they like dismiss this opinion because of many of the other hadith that we will uh, discuss. The second view of the scholars, or second opinion in this issue, is the opinion that it is a verse of Surah Fatiha only. It is a verse of Surah Fatiha only. Right? Only Surah Fatiha. And this is the opinion that is reported on some of the scholars of the Salaf, like Sa'id ibn Jubayr, and it is an opinion in the Shafi'i Madhab and the, and the Hanbali Madhab, and it's reported also as being the opinion of Zuhri and Ata and some other scholars. They said that it is only a verse of Surah Al-Fatiha, not a verse of other than Surah Al-Fatiha. And they, one of the evidences that they bring for this is the hadith of Umm Salama radiyallahu anha, that she was asked about how the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam recited. And this hadith is in Surah Abi Dawood, uh, an authentic hadith. And she said that he would recite Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar Rahmanir Rahim. So when she was asked, how did the Prophet recite, what did she begin with? She began with the Basmala. Right? So they said, therefore, that shows that the Basmala is a verse of Surah Fatiha. Right? Because she said that that's what the Prophet would do. He would begin with Surah Al-Fatiha. Similar to this is another hadith, the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari. When he was asked, how did the Prophet used to recite the Qur'an? And he said, he would say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. He would mention it and he would make a mad at the end of every one of those words. So he would elongate the Allah, the Ar-Rahman, the Ar-Rahim. He would make them long, right? He would read it slowly and he would elongate those words. And again, what does he begin with when he's asked, How did the Prophet recite? He begins with the Basmala, right? And the Basmala meaning that it's part of Surah Al Fatiha. And so on and so forth. They have like a number of, of evidences that they bring, all of them similar to this. Um, also, from the evidences that they bring, as well as collected by Imam al Qutni and Abu Hurairah, that the Prophet وسلم, said that when you read Alhamd, meaning Surah Fatiha, then read Bismillah Rahman Rahim. Because it is the mother of the Quran, meaning Surah Fatiha, and the mother of the book, and the seven oft repeated verses. And Bismillah Rahman Rahim is one of its many verses. Right. And this is collected in Ad uh, Qutni and in other Dar Qutni, Al Bayhaqi, and others mention this as well. So the scholars say that this statement or this narration is a statement of Abu Hurairah radiallahu And it's not from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What is from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is what Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu himself narrates, the same hadith. This time in Sahih al-Bukhari, so it's a more authentic, established narration, that the Prophet said, Alhamdulillah is the mother of the Qur'an, and the seven of recited verses, and the mother of the book, and so on. And he doesn't mention anything about the Basmala. So the more authentic, established version in al-Bukhari doesn't mention the Basmala. The version of the Qutni, the scholars said, is the statement and therefore the opinion of Abu Hurairah that he would consider the Basmala to be part of Surah Al-Fatiha. So that's the second opinion. So the first opinion says it's not a verse of the Qur'an. The second opinion says it is a verse of the Qur'an only for Surah Fatiha. Right? And by the way, if you're saying that it's a verse of Surah Fatiha, right, the scholars all agree, how many verses is in Surah Fatiha? Seven, right? Because the hadith says, Sab'al Mathani. It's the seven oft-repeated verses. So this is Jama'ah, the seven verses. The Prophet said seven, the seven. 
So how therefore do we make the seven by adding or removing the basmala? Okay, so whoever makes it into seven will count Bismillah Rahman. So whoever makes the basmala part of Fatiha will make Bismillah Rahman Rahim verse number one, right? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen is verse number two. You guys following this? Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is verse number three. Iyaka na'budu, iyaka nasta'een, four. Ihdina as-sirat al-mustaqeem. Sorry, did I forget? Maliki yawmidin. There you go. Not so easy, is it? Maliki yawmidin is four. Iyaka na'budu, iyaka nasta'een is five. Is that right? Oh, you confuse me, man. Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is one. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen is two. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is three. Maliki yawmidin is four. Iyaka na'budu, iyaka nasta'een is five. Ihdina as-sirat al-mustaqeem is six. If you open your Quran, I know you don't have Qurans next to you, but if you were to pick like a Quran that you find in the masjid, which is like the common Kufi script right, that we read, meaning the Kufi Qira'ah of Imam Hafs, you will find that's how he does it. He considers the Basmala to be verse number one. And that's why what you remember from your memorization Sirat al-Ladheena namta alayhim ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim al-dhaleen is a single verse. If you say the basmala isn't part of the Fatiha, so now what do we begin with? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen is one. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is two. Maliki Yawmideen is three. Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een is four. Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqeem is five. So far we're in agreement. Sirat al-Ladheena namta alayhim is six. You stop. Sirat al-Ladheena namta alayhim becomes a verse. And then غير المغضوب عليهم الضالين becomes verse 7. Right? That's what they mean. So when you say that the basmala is a part of Fatiha or not, that's how it works. Right? So those scholars who say that it's not part of Fatiha, right, it's not a verse of Fatiha, they say, yes, you read it like you would read this ti'adah, you read the basmala. But it's not considered from the seven verses of Al-Fatiha. Okay? The third opinion in this issue is that it is a verse of Every single surah in the Quran. Fatiha and other than Fatiha. A verse of every single surah in the Quran, other than, obviously, Surah Tawbah. Right? Surah Tawbah is the exception. There is no basmala. So, opinion number two said what? It is only a verse of Fatiha. For the rest of the Quran, you still read it, precisely isti'adha. Right? You just read it. It's not a verse, you just read it. This opinion says, no, it's a verse of every surah of the Quran, Fatiha, other than Fatiha, with the exception of Surah Al-Tawbah. Right? And this is the opinion of some of the companions, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Zubair, Abu Huraira, and some of the scholars of the Tabi'een, Ata' Tawus, Al-Zuhri, and it's also reported in the Shafi'i Madhab and the Hanbali Madhab, and it's said that it's an opinion of Abu Hanifa, and Sufyan Al-Thawri, and Al-Uzari, and many others. Right? So they said that it is a, a verse of every single surah of the Qur'an. The first reason why they said this is because that's what's written in the Mus'haf, in the Qur'an. Right? From the time of the companions until today when you open the Qur'an, what do you find at the beginning of every single surah? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Right? And they said, therefore, that's there for what? It's there because it's a verse of every single surah of the Qur'an. The second evidence that they have is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu in Sahih Muslim that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sitting with his companions and he was overcome, meaning that he was receiving revelation. And the companions say that they would know and they would realize when the Prophet is receiving revelation because something would change, right? He would go into 
you know, a state and a mode that they would know, he's, he's like sweating and, you know, he feels a, a pressure and heaviness and so on, they will know he's receiving revelation. And then after that state was lifted, the Prophet ﷺ smiled and he said, just now, a verse or a surah of the Qur'an was revealed upon me, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, inna a'atayna kalkawthar. Right? And this is in Sahih Muslim. So what did he begin with? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Right? He said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And then he said, inna a'atayna kalkawthar. So they said, this shows that the Bismillah is a part of every single surah of the Qur'an. Right? It's a verse of every single surah of the Qur'an. And they use also the same ahadith that we mentioned before, you know, like the companions, when they would ask, be asked, how did the Prophet ﷺ used to recite? They would begin with the basmala, right? They would say, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The fourth opinion is that the basmala is a standalone verse of the Qur'an. It is a verse of the Qur'an, but it is standalone. It's not a verse of every single surah. It is a standalone verse of the Qur'an, independent of the surahs. And it was revealed by Allah Azza wa Jal to show when the beginning of a surah would occur. Right? When is the beginning of the surah? To show that this is the beginning of a new surah. And this is the opinion that kind of like tries to combine between all of those evidences. Right? They've tried to combine between all of those evidences. Because some of those ahadith show what? Show that the Prophet used to read a surah and he would read basmala. And some of them show what? That he would read the surah with a basmala. And then some other evidences show what that with Fatiha he would read Bismillah Rahman Rahim. And then some of them show what that sometimes he wouldn't read it. So you have all of those different evidences, all of them are authentic, all of them slightly differentiating on different points. So this opinion says, okay, the way you reconcile between all of that is to say, yes, Bismillah Rahman Rahim is a verse of the Quran, but no, it's not connected to the surahs. It is independent. And it's there to show you the beginning of each surah. And this is the opinion of Imam Ahmad in his madhab, Abdullah ibn Mubarak. Uh, the Zahiri madhab says this as well. And it's the opinion of uh, Imam al-Tabari in his tafsir. This is the opinion that he accepts. Ibn Khuzayma al-Jassas, Ibn Qudama, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, and a number of other scholars. Right? And that is the opinion that most of the latter scholars who or the contemporary scholars who have gone through the different sources and so on, the different evidences, this is the opinion that they favor. That the basmala is a verse of the Qur'an, but it's independent. It's not attached to any surah, neither Fatiha, nor any other surah of the Qur'an. And obviously the benefit of this discussion is what? Because when you come to surah Fatiha, especially in the salah, if you stand up and you say, Allahu Akbar, and you say, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, if you say that, the basmala is part of Fatiha, then your prayer is incorrect. Your Fatiha was incorrect, right? Because you missed the whole verse of Surah Fatiha. Whereas if you say that, no, the basmala isn't part of Fatiha, then your prayer is fine, right? And that's what the issue comes back to. So the opinions or the evidences that this, um, you know, these group of scholars bring is one of the evidences that we previously had, right? They bring the same ones, but they say, look, some of it shows that yes, it's a verse, and some of it shows that no, it's not attached to a surah, and so on and so forth. So for example, the fact that the Prophet ﷺ would read, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, inna a'atayna kal-kawthar, shows that the basmala isn't just something specific to surah al-Fatiha. Right? And it's reported in Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhumah, in what is collected by Imam Abu Dawood, and this is his own statement. Right? It's his own statement as a scholar amongst the companions and so on. He said that the Prophet ﷺ would only know where the beginning of a surah is, because Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim would be revealed to show and indicate that now a new surah has been revealed. 
and to show that it's not therefore attached to every surah. There are other hadith which show that the Prophet وسلم, would sometimes read a surah and he wouldn't mention the basmala. Like for example, the hadith, you know, the famous hadith of Surah Mulk, right, which I think is in Tirmidhi, that the Prophet said that 30 verses were revealed to me and they interceded for someone until Allah forgave them. Right? And he didn't mention the basmal. He didn't say Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Which shows therefore that sometimes he would say it, sometimes he wouldn't say it. And so therefore it is, and you know, this opinion Allah knows best seems to be a strong opinion. From the strongest evidences that they have that it's not attached to Surah Fatiha is the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu that is collected in Sahih Muslim. In which he said that the Prophet وسلم, said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I have divided Surah Al Fatiha between me and my servant into two halves. Right? And the hadith says that I divided the salah. Right? Salah is one of the names of Surah Fatiha. Surah Fatiha has numerous names. One of them is salah. Right? And this is one of the evidences that was used by those scholars who say that Fatiha is wajib, it's a pillar of the salah. Right? They say because the Prophet called it Salah. Right? That's how important it is. He gave it the name Salah. That Allah says that I have divided Surah Al-Fatiha between me and my servant into two halves. So if my servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, I say that he has praised me. Rahman Rahim, he has glorified me. And the hadith goes on to the end of Fatiha. Every time you read a verse, Allah Azza wa responds. So when we're in Salah and we're reading Surah Fatiha, with every verse that you stop and pause at, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responds, as is mentioned in this hadith, right? My servant has glorified me, my servant has praised me, my servant has asked me for something and I will give it to him, and so on and so forth. So the scholars say that in this hadith, the Prophet sallallahu called Fatiha the Salah, and then he began with what? Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. And he didn't mention the Basmalah. Right, which is a very clear indication and hadith, uh, very clear evidence to show that the basmala isn't part of Surah Al-Fatiha. And as I said, that seems to be the strongest of the opinions of the scholars, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Some of the scholars, um, I've also come across um, the opinion that they say that it depends on which qira'ah you're reading. So if you read, if you look in the mushaf that we have, which is the recitation of Imam Asim, Right? And we spoke about this before, you know, like the issue of Qur'a, like the major scholars of Qira'at and so on. If you look at the Qur'an that we have today, which is Imam Asim's Qur'an, he makes Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim a verse. Right? And likewise does Imam Hamza, and likewise Imam Al-Kasai, and likewise Ibn Kathir. Right? So the Makki reciters and the Kufi reciters, Imams of Qira'a, they make the Bismillah a verse. And the others from Basra, from Sham, from Mecca, from Medina, they don't. So some of the scholars say if you're reading in the Qira'ah of Imam Asim, you have to read the Basmala as a verse. And if you're not, if you're reading someone else's Qira'ah and they don't make it a verse, then you don't read it as a verse. Right? That's what some scholars I've seen have also said. Um, I don't think that's a strong opinion because the Prophet has a hadith where he didn't clearly read the Basmala. Right, and the Prophet وسلم, all of these qiraat come back from the Prophet وسلم, and Allah knows best. So that's the first issue. The second issue then, which is connected to this is, do you read the basmala in the prayer or not? Right? And it kind of goes back to what we just discussed. If you consider the basmala to be wad, to be a part of Surah Fatiha, then you have to read it. Right? You don't have a choice because Fatiha is part of the salah. 
Whereas if you don't, then it becomes an easier issue. So the scholars, obviously, they differed then, therefore over this issue as they differed over the previous one. So some of the scholars said, yes, you must read it. Right? It's wajib. <coughs> so the scholars who said that Basmala is part of Surah Fatiha, they said that you have to read it um, in the Salah as well. So Imam al-Shafi'i says that this is his famous opinion in his madhab, and it's the opinion of Imam Ahmad. It's one of the narrations of Imam Ahmad. And it's also reported on a number of the companions like Ibn Umar and Ibn Abbas and others. The second opinion is that it is recommended. So if you say that the Basmala isn't part of Surah Fatiha, then we go to the saying that it is recommended. And that is, as we've said before, you know, the opinion of many of the scholars of Islam as well. And then the third opinion is the opinion of Imam Malik, because he says that it's not a verse of the Qur'an. So what does he say? He says that you don't read it in the obligatory prayers. But in the Nafal prayers, it's okay. Why does he make that distinction? Why? Why is it okay in the Nafal prayers and not okay in the obligatory prayers? It's a general principle of Salah. Yeah, because the rulings of a Sunnah prayer or an optional prayer are more relaxed than an obligatory prayer, right? So the Prophet would ride his camel or ride his, his, his animal and pray. Nafil prayers. But he wouldn't do that for the obligatory prayers. He would stop and he would stand and he would pray properly. So the rules are relaxed and there are other examples of that as well. So they say, therefore, that it's not something which has to be read or shouldn't be read in the obligatory prayers, but it's something which you can read in the optional prayers. Which then brings us on to the third issue, and that is, do you read it out loud or not? Right? Do you read it out loud or not? Outside of salah, so if you're just reading usually, then like we said with the isti'adah, the basmala is also something that should be read aloud. Right? The basmala is something that you read out loud, outside of salah. So if you're sitting down and you're going to do some Qur'an reading, and you say, you know, just say for example, you want to start with Surah Baqarah. So then you should say, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف لام And you should read it out loud. Right? And that is the opinion of the scholars of Qur'an and that's how they consider the Qur'an should be read generally. When it comes to in the salah, then you have also a difference of opinion which we'll very quickly go through. One opinion is that it depends on the prayer. If it's a loud prayer, you read it out loud. If it's a silent prayer, you read it silently. And that's mentioned on some of the companions like Ibn Abbas, and Abdullah ibn Zubayr, and it said that it's the opinion of some of the uh, other scholars like Az-Zuhri and Mujahid and Atta and Tawus, and so on and so forth. Um, and those scholars would say that you read the Basmala out loud. Right? They say that you read the Basmala out loud, and some of the evidences we've already mentioned, like for example, when the Prophet they asked how did the Prophet used to pray, and you know he's, they say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim out loud, right? Um, and you have a similar hadith in Al-Nasai of Abu Hurairah when he was describing how the Prophet used to pray and he began by reciting the Basmala out loud. And the other opinion therefore is that you read the Basmala silently. That you don't read it out loud, you read the Basmala silently. And that is the opinion of the majority of the scholars and it's reported on the four Khulafa, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, radiyallahu anhum, Anas, Aisha, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Zubair, Ibn Mas'ud, Ammar ibn Yasir, Urwa ibn Zubair, many of the scholars of the Tabi'een, ibn Sirin, al-Nakha'i, al-Hassan, Ikrima, Uzai, 
Sufyan al-Thawri, and then from the famous Imams Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad, Abdullah ibn Mubarak, Imam al-Shafi'i, uh, it's an opinion also in his madhab, and many others as well. And they base this basically upon the major ahad or the main ahadith in this chapter of Anas and Abu Huraira and Aisha radiallahu anhum, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would lead the prayer, the first thing that they would hear from him is, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And in one narration, um, the narration of Anas, he said that I prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and I never heard any of them say Bismillah out loud. Right? Prayed behind all of them, and I never came across any of them saying the Basmala out loud. Right? And by the way, this issue isn't an issue of halal or haram or obligatory prohibition. It's an issue of which one is better. Right? Because if someone reads the Basmala out loud, then you know there's no problem. Right? No one's going to say that the prayer is weak or invalid or you know it's not so it's important to remember that the issue isn't that the issue is what which one's better which one's closer to the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so those scholars say that the uh, basmala isn't something which is read out loud because this was the practice of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the khulafa and obviously the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said to us follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the khulafa who came after me okay any questions so far? We can, do you have any questions online? Anything? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that's like another evidence to show that the, the Basmala is, scholars used to say, so that the Basmala is an independent verse. Because in the hadith of Iqra, when it's mentioned, Aisha radiallahu anha mentions the story, and the first revelation comes, it doesn't say that the revelation began with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. It says it began with Iqra. Right? And so that's another evidence to show, therefore, that, the, um, that it's not something which was attached to every surah. However, undoubtedly, there are other hadith that show that it is, was revealed in certain surahs. So that's why that opinion says it's a verse, but it's not connected. Because if it was connected, then it would have been revealed with Iqra and with Tabarak and with every single surah when the Prophet would mention I can, do you want me to go back and check? I can do that for you. Just for you, though. Um, I think that's what we said, right? There were some of the companions who said that. By the way, remember that. Like, we have, when it comes to narrations of the companions and the scholars, often what you have is the scholars said more than one thing. Right? Or the companions have more than one opinion that's narrated from them. So we said Ibn Zubair, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Umar, and then Az Zuhri, Mujahid, Ata, and Tawus. Right? But if you were to go down to, for example, like the other opinion, I'm pretty sure that some of those names, if not most of them, came for both opinions. Right? So Imam Ahmad, for example, in his madhab, you'll often find that what does he do? Is he has multiple opinions, right? So you often hear me say, you know, Imam Ahmad, there's a narration here, and it's a narration there, and it's a narration there. And Imam Ahmad, in his madhab, he has a general principle that if one of the scholars of the Salaf said something, they held an opinion, he would give it as an opinion as well. Just out of his respect for those scholars, that the fact that they're you know, major scholars of Islam and therefore they came with an opinion and they must have some basis in the Sunnah, even if he didn't disagree with it, even if he disagreed with it and didn't accept that opinion to be strong, he would say, but it's mentioned that so-and-so said that it's allowed. So his students would then say, okay, so that's therefore, you know, something which he's obviously supporting. It becomes a narration in his mother, even though he himself may disagree. 
And sometimes you find that Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, he has opinions in which he says that those evidences are all weak and they shouldn't be accepted. But then he'll say at the same time, but so-and-so said it's allowed. So it becomes a narration in his method, even though he himself you know, very like strongly disagrees with it and says it's weak and there's no hadith to support it. But that's just his love for the scholars of the Salaf. And that's something amazing you see about Imam Ahmad rahimahullah. And it's, you know, unlike most other scholars that you find even amongst the Salaf, that they had that level of respect and honor for their predecessors. That if they said something, and even if you knew it to be weak or not to have any substance in the Sharia or anything like you know, a strong justification for it, he would still kind of say, but you know what, someone like Mujahid said this. And I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Mujahid was wrong. Right, which is a major issue of etiquette, right? Because often today we're like, oh, Shafi's wrong, right? And Malik's wrong, and this guy's wrong. And we're like, easy to say that. Right? And it's, it's become like almost normal to just, you know, blacklist people and blacklist major scholars of Islam. Imam Ahmad, with all of his knowledge and his, you know, station in Islam and all of his fiqh and understanding and his knowledge of hadith and fiqh and tafsir and everything else, he wouldn't. He would say, but Tawus said this, and, you know, that's fine. And, if, and you know, this isn't the place, but if you go to like the, the major books of Hanbali Madhab, he has some very strange opinions in his madhab, Imam Ahmad. Not because he accepts them to be correct, he considers them to be strange, but he still mentions them because it's reported that one of the scholars said it. And maybe that scholar didn't hear the evidence, maybe he didn't know, maybe, you know, he has excuses for them. But he will still say, but you know what, that's a major scholar, he said it, right? And so that's like, an, you know, it's a very important point to, to remember and to learn as well. You mentioned um, one of the evidence to say that sort of that the Basman is on part was the hadith that the Fatih split into two parts. In that hadith, he mentions that Surat al Ladina to the end. And so, if the Nasrat al Muslim to the end is taken as one ayah, then No. Um, so, in the hadith that the Prophet Allah Azza wa split Surah Fatiha into two. And then he says, Ihdin Nasrat al Mustaqim. Um, and then Allah responds, and then Surat al Ladin to the end, and then Allah responds. But the responses are the same. If you look for Ihdin Nasrat al Mustaqim, Ihdin Nasrat al Mustaqim, Surat al Ladin Amta'alim, Ghalim Adubi Alim Adubi, the response of Allah is the same. So the Prophet just mentioned them because the response is the same. So, okay, so that's like an interesting question, right? So, we said that the best mala is to do what? To signify the beginning of every surah. But then we also know that Surah Tawbah has no best mala, right? So, some of the scholars you'll find, they said that the two surahs are actually one Surah Anfal and Surah Tawbah are one, right? So, um, and we're going to mention this inshallah next week, you know, if we can finish what we're trying to do here today. When we start next week with Surah Al-Nas, you know, I want to begin with how the companions used to divide the Qur'an. Because we have a way of understanding the division of the Qur'an right now, like there's 30 juz, right? Each juz is split into eight eighths, right? And so on. We have a way that we see in the Qur'an, right? You see the stars and you see those symbols and so on, you know, this is how we divide the Qur'an. That came later on. It wasn't in the time of the companions. The companions didn't have that division. Right? So you don't hear the Prophet saying, oh, read Juz Amma today. Right? You don't hear him saying, read 27th Juz today. That came later on. Right? So how did the companions therefore used to understand the division of the Qur'an? And they used to understand it by div- dividing the surahs. Right? Dividing the surahs. So the seven longest surahs of the Qur'an, what is called the Sab'ut Tiwal. Right? The seven long surahs of the Qur'an. Awat, Baqarah, Ali Imran, Nisa. Ma'idah, An'am, 
A'raf and then after Araf? No, no, man, Maida, we did. After Araf. Anfa. And Tawbah. So the, the division of the companions ends at Tawbah. And they consider them to be seven. So some of the scholars said they used to consider Anfal and Tawbah to be one. One surah. Right? And other scholars said, no, they used to consider them to be two, but because there's no basmala, it's like, yeah, they used to just kind of you know, add them both together. Right? And so therefore, you, know, you do have that difference of opinion because of that very issue that there is no basmala at the beginning of Surah Tawbah, and Allah knows best. Okay, let's carry on, inshallah. I want to finish this chapter today. And then, inshallah, we can take some more questions. So the last thing that we want to do, inshallah, today, and to finish off this, um, this chapter of the basmala, is when it's recommended to say the basmala. Different places where it's recommended to say the basmala. I remember before we begin, I think last week, I think someone asked a question about the difference between saying Bismillah and Bismillah Rahman Rahim, right? What is the basmala and what is the tasmiyah, right? And where it's reported to say Bismillah only, can you say Bismillah Rahman Rahim instead and so on? And I don't remember exactly what I said now, but just for the sake of clarity, you can, right? So if, if it's reporting the sunnah that you say Bismillah at the beginning of wudu, for example, if someone comes and says Bismillah Rahman Rahim, I don't know of any scholar that will say it's not allowed, right? Or it's haram, or that their wudu is invalid, or anything like that. The issue comes down to, and what the scholars differ over is which one is better. So if the Prophet ﷺ just said Bismillah and nothing more, is it better just to stick to what the Prophet ﷺ said and did? Or can you add to it and make it more complete by saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? Right? And you have scholars that say it's better to finish the basmala. That's what's mentioned in the Quran. That has more blessing. You're mentioning the names of Allah and so on. And other scholars that will say no. The Prophet wasallam was more knowledgeable, knew better, understood this religion better. And so if he said Bismillah and stopped, that shows that that's enough and it is more than sufficient for that, right? And no doubt, you know, our religion places a great emphasis on following the sunnah of the Prophet So if someone says Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, it's fine. But if someone, you know, wants to stick to the sunnah, I think that is also something which is praiseworthy. So when is it uh, mentioned, actually, the basmala? The basmala itself, when is it recommended to say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in full? The first place is, obviously, the recitation of the Qur'an, right? As we've established, and I don't think we need to go into that in more detail. And the second time in which it's mentioned in the Qur'an and the sunnah that you read the whole basmala, um, you know, it's like a sunnah to mention it, is at the beginning of a book or a letter or something like this, like a piece of Islamic writing. Or even not Islamic, but just like a piece of, you know, like literature. And that's because when the Prophet wasallam used to write letters to the different leaders of the Muslim world, inviting them to Islam, he would sometimes begin with, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So in the hadith in al-Bukhari, when the Prophet ﷺ was writing to the Roman Byzantine ruler, Hirakul, he said, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, this is from Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah, to Hirakul, the Emperor of Rome. Right? And so he began his letter with, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Right? And, you know, even though he's a non-Muslim, even though, you know, he's going to read, even though, and so on and so forth. Right? And, um, you know, just like an interesting side point is that some of the scholars say that that would have been translated, right? So when the Prophet ﷺ wrote this, would have been translated. So the Prophet ﷺ would often get who to translate. One of the companions, like Zaid ibn Thabit, he would get them to write it in the language of the people that he's going to send it to. 
So some of the scholars said that's like one of the earliest forms of translating the Quran, right? Translating the meanings of the Quran because the basmala is being recited, uh, translated into these other languages and Allah knows best. So the Prophet would write the basmala at the beginning of letters. And the verse of the Quran in which the basmala is mentioned in Surah An-Naml in the story of Sulaiman is actually on a letter, right? The Queen says, as Allah mentions in the Quran, O oh my advisors, there has come to me a kitab, like a letter. Right? This has come, it's like a letter that's come from another king and another leader. It's from Sulaiman and it begins with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, which shows that this was something which the Prophet Sulaiman did, obviously, many centuries before our Prophet. And then you have just the basmala, or the tasmiya rather. Right? Tasmiya means just to say Bismillah. Right, not the whole thing, but where it's recommended to just say Bismillah. So the first place is in the wudu. Before at the beginning of wudu, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, the Prophet said, there is no salah for the one who doesn't make wudu. And there is no wudu for the one who doesn't say Bismillah. Right? And this hadith is mentioned in Abu Dawood and Ibn Majah and Al-Nasai and so on. And the scholars differ over its authenticity. And more so than its authenticity, the scholars differ as to whether it's wajib or not to read the basmala before wudu. And it's not something which we're going to go into. It doesn't even relate to the Quran and tafsir. Uh, but there is a difference of opinion. And Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, knows best. The second place where it's recommended to say bismillah is when you enter the masjid. So it's mentioned in the hadith of An-Nasai that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would enter into the masjid, he would say, start by saying bismillah. Right? Wassalamu ala rasulillah. Allahumma ghfir li dhunubi wa li abwaab rahmatik. And likewise, when he would leave, he would say, Bismillah, wassalamu ala rasulillah, Allahumma ghfir li dhunubi wa li abwaab fadlik. Right? So both times, entering and leaving, he would mention the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three, when riding. When riding. So when you're about to get onto you know, your horse, <laughs> your donkey, as I'm sure you will do every morning, or, or in our times, like a car or a bike and so on, you're riding, it is the sunnah to say Bismillah, right? Or Rukub. And that's mentioned in the Quran in the story in Surah Hud, in the story of Nuh alayhi salam, when they're embarking on the ark, right? They're getting onto the ship, the ark. وَقَالَ ارْكَبُوا فِيهَا بِسْمِ مَجْرَيْهَا وَمُرْسَاهَا And it was said to them, embark upon the ship in the name of Allah, it will sail and it will set anchor, Right? And then again, the name of Allah Azza wa Jal is mentioned. And it's mentioned that the Prophet وسلم, said to the companion Jabir عن, when he gave him his camel, ride it by saying Bismillah, right? Get on and say Bismillah, right? Number four, when you slaughter. So when we slaughter, we say Bismillah, right? We say Bismillah, and Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, Eat from that which Allah's name has been mentioned over. And Allah Azza wa says, وَمَا لَكُمْ أَلَّا تَأْكُلُوا مِمَّا ذُكِرَ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ And why don't you eat from the meat in which, over which Allah's name has been recited? And the scholars have, you know, again, it's another major issue of difference of opinion. Is the tismir to say Bismillah? Is it wajib before you slaughter? Is it recommended? So, right, this is also a difference of opinion. However, no doubt, at the very least, it is the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number five, when eating. Right, when eating, you say Bismillah, this hadith, you know, is in Bukhari and Muslim, where the Prophet وسلم, said to the young boy who was sitting with him and he was eating, he said, Oh boy, oh young boy, eat by saying Bismillah, use your right hand 
and start with that which is closest to you. Right? right? Say Bismillah, eat with your right hand, and eat from that which is closest to you. And in the hadith, the Prophet said, as we know the hadith, which is in Sahih Muslim, that if you don't say Bismillah, then Shaitan eats with you. Right? And the other hadith in which the Prophet said that if you go home and you say Bismillah, and before you eat, you say Bismillah, then Shaitan says, today there's no dinner for me and there is no place for me to sleep. Right? Whereas meaning what? That if you don't say Bismillah, Shaitan eats with you. When you enter to your house, if you don't say Bismillah, Shaitan enters with you. Right? And he spends that night with you. And again, this shows you like the, the barakah and the blessing of this name of Allah Azza wa Jalla and invoking the name of Allah and beginning with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how many benefits there are. Number six, before marital relations. As the Prophet sallallahu said, whoever makes the dua, Bismillah, Allahumma jannibna shaytan, wa jannibna shaytana ma razaqtana, and then they have a child, shaytan won't harm it. Right? And that in itself, such a concise, beautiful, easy dua with such amazing benefits. Right, the shaitan will harm your child when you make this dua before relations. Number seven, when leaving the house. So when you leave the house and if you say, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Right, Bismillah, tawakkaltu ala Allah, wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This hadith is in Abu Dawood. Shaitan says, and he, he comes and he says, Wudita wa kufita wa wufit. You have been guided, you have been protected, and it is more than sufficient for you. Another narration, another shaitan will say to that shaitan who says, you know, you've been guided, protected, and that's enough for you. Another shaitan says to that shaitan, how can you possibly harm him now that Allah has guided him, and Allah has protected him, and Allah has sufficed him for more evil? Right? So again, these short, amazing du'as, which, let's be honest, most of us are neglectful of. We don't make them, we don't remember them, let alone teach it to our children and so on. Very small, easy du'as to make, but so powerful, right? And they should really become part and parcel of our daily, um, you know, our daily existence and our daily routine. Number eight, the adhkar of the morning and the evening, right? And this is the one that we mentioned, um, I think, last week or the, the week before, perhaps, in the story of Khalid ibn Walid radiallahu anhu, in what is mentioned when he was asked to drink the poison, this is the du'a that he made. Right? Whoever reads, Bismillah alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fis in the name of Allah, with whose name nothing in the heavens and earth can harm, and He is all hearing and all knowing. The Prophet said, Whoever reads it three times in the morning will not, be, will not have a sudden calamity strike them until the evening. And whoever reads it three times in the evening will not have a sudden calamity strike them until the morning. Number nine, when going to sleep, there are many du'as again for the sleep. From them is Bismillah. Uh, and from them is this one Bismillah wada'atu janbi Allahumma ghfirli dhanbi right in the name of Allah I put my head down and oh Allah forgive my sins right and this is collected in Abu Dawood when going to the bathroom so we have the famous hadith that you know most of us know the famous dua Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khaba'ith but there are other du'as as well and from them is that you simply say Bismillah from them is that you simply say Bismillah as is collected in uh, by Ibn Majah and by others. Number 11, when you stumble, right, when you stumble, or your riding animal stumbles, right, maybe your car stalls or something like this, rather than cursing. So when the Prophet was with one of his companions and he was riding and his camel stumbled, 
So the companion cursed the camp, or he cursed shaitan. So the Prophet said, when you curse shaitan at a moment like this, shaitan becomes more arrogant, more proud. And he says, it's because of me that that happened. Rather say, Bismillah. Because when you do so, shaitan deflates. And he becomes small until he's like a fly. Right? So in a moment of anger, when you think that shaitan's the reason why it's happened, shaitan becomes more haughty, more arrogant, more proud, and he just boasts more. But even, you know, if, if, you know, even if it is something to do with shaitan, but when you remember Allah, because that's the point, right? In our lives, when something happens, we remember Allah first and foremost. Even if it's someone else's fault, right? Someone passes away, what's the first thing you do? You remember Allah, right? You see something good, what's the first thing you do? You praise Allah. You're amazed by something, what do you do? You glorify Allah. That's the point, right? So even though it's other people and other circumstances that are going on, but our faith in Allah and our connection to Allah should make us remember Allah Azza wa Jal first and foremost. So likewise, the Prophet is saying, when something like that happens, rather than remembering shaitan, who should you remember? Allah, right? You say Bismillah, and that also takes away the, you know, the, the arrogance of shaitan. Number 12, when you're feeling pain. If you're feeling pain, the Prophet said, put your hand on that part of the body and say Bismillah three times, and this is collected in Sahih Muslim. And number 13, when placing the deceased in the grave. So when you're placing the deceased in the grave, it is the sunnah to say Bismillah wa ala sunnati. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as is collected in Abu Dawood um, and those are like and there's more as well but um, you know I think that's like that's enough to show that the basmala and some of the scholars used to be of the opinion that you say the basmala at the beginning of everything right so if you're going to start anything you say bismillah because you invoke the name of Allah and you are asking Allah azza wa to bless it right I know that that's something which you know, has a basis in the Sharia because all of these different hadith and different places and different times, different situations in which you mention the basmala is in a way showing that the basmala is something that you do before more or less every action, especially if it is a praiseworthy good action, it is something that you should begin with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So alhamdulillah that brings us to the end of basmala. Um, inshallah next week we will begin with Surah Al-Nas. Right. Any questions? Okay. Which of the Afghans would the Prophet be reciting to the companions? And could it be that in one of them the Basmallah was part of the Fatiha and in another one it wasn't? Okay, so which of the Ahruf did the Prophet recite? And you know, is it possible that the Basmallah is in one of them and not in others of them? So this goes back to the issue of what is the Ahruf of the Quran, and that is a major issue of difference of opinion amongst the scholars of Islam. What are the Ahruf of the Quran? No doubt, though, that the Prophet knew them all and he taught them all. Right? Because we have the hadith of Umar radiallahu an, when he heard a companion reading the Quran in a slightly different way. So he said to him, I don't know your recitation. So he brought him to the Prophet and he said, this man is reading the Quran in a way that I've never heard before. So the Prophet said to Umar, recite, and he recited. And he said to the other man, recite, and he recited. And then he said, the Quran was revealed to me like this and like that. Meaning both ways, right? What are the ahruf of the Qur'an? Some of the scholars said it's the qiraat that we have. Other scholars said it's seven different modes of eloquence in the Qur'an. Sometimes something goes forward or backward. It is like a large and big discussion. Um, you know, if you go to Shaykh Yasir book, uh, Introduction to the Science of the Qur'an, he mentions this in detail as well, if you want to refer to that. So, um, is therefore the basmala part of this? No, I don't think that it's part of this. Um, because the basmala as like, as a 
um, a part of the Quran is, is ma'roof, right? It's something which is accepted. The companions used to recite it themselves and they would write it in the Quran. So therefore it's something which is established from the time of Abu Bakr and Uthman radiallahu anhumah when they wrote the Quran that the basmala was in there. Right? And that's the Quran that was spread across the Muslim world and that's the one that everyone took from and so on. So the basmala is in there. The point here is of the discussion is what is the significance of that basmala? Is it a verse of a surah, just a fatiha, independent, not at all? You know, that's, that's the point here. And Allah knows best. Um, if you're writing a letter to someone in English or Arabic, Muslim or non-Muslim, if you feel that the document may not be respected, would you? Yes. Yeah, so when we said the question is, do we write the basmala when we're writing our letters and so on, documents and so on? Um, the the point is that it's, it's allowed to recite the basmala, read, write the basmala at the top of a letter or at the beginning of a book and so on. Is it something that you should do? Then obviously that depends on the circumstance of what you're doing, right? So if you're going to, for example, send it to people who are going to throw it away or they're going to disrespect it, or it's just like, you know, you know, if you're in a business and you're just sending out marketing material, you know, depending on what it is that you're doing, maybe the best manner shouldn't be there. Most people rip it up and throw it away anyway, right? That's what they do with marketing material. Um, so it depends on the situation and where it is. Obviously the name of Allah should be respected. Right? Especially when it's in the Arabic, right? When it's in a verse of the Quran in that kind of format, then it's something which has obviously honor and status and respect that should be afforded to it. And Allah knows best. So the question is, how come Fatiha matches the Basmala in its rhythm and other surahs don't? Why do you think that, that the I don't think that's exclusive to Fatiha personally. So if you mean that it ends with, you know, like a, a Ya and a Meme, or just a Ya at the end, a Sukun before the last letter, there are many, like, uh, many surahs that end in that way. Um, you know, it's the same kind of rhythm that's in that surah and there are many other surahs like that so I don't think it's something exclusive to that Allah knows best you know the um, it, is it similar to um, recite the, the, the basmala that Nuh uh, made uh, when uh, you know riding a car or no, so the basmala of yeah, the basmala of Nuh that's mentioned in the Quran is specific to the ark, right? Because he says Bismillahi Majareha Munsah in the name of Allah it will set sail and it will anchor. So when you're riding a car, right, unless you've got some funky car that I don't know about, right, it's like something which you know so it seems very particular and not only to the ship but to that situation and that circumstance, right, which is the flooding and you know so on and so forth, right? In the name of Allah it will be saved from the floods, the people of the ark, and in the name of Allah, it will settle when Allah Azza wa Jal decrees that it settles. Like I said about writing the Bismillah in the start of the letter, um, what if you write, uh, I'm just thinking about who the reward is for. So if you want the transliteration instead of the Arabic, is the reward for the one who reads, or is it for the one who's writing? 
So the point of writing the basmala at the beginning of a letter or something is to invoke Allah's blessing. Right? And so you're asking for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing. I know that when you read the basmala, you know, and someone asks for the basmala, there's like reward in that anyway. So um, it can be for both. But again, I think like with letters and so on, I wouldn't just write it on every letter or any type of you know, documentation or any type of correspondence. But if it's something, for example, that requires, you know, that it's something serious. Like, for example, if you're writing your final will, right? This is your last will that you're leaving to your family, to your children. That's the document that you begin with, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? You know, if you're writing like a piece of advice to your children, or you're writing like maybe a business contract or something between two Muslims, or you're writing a business contract, even between maybe a non-Muslim, right? You write Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim because the Prophet ﷺ, when he did the treaty of Hudaybiyyah, that's what he began with, right? It's between Muslims and non-Muslims, but it's a significant thing, right? It's a treaty of peace between two people, and he wants to begin it with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So something like that, yeah, definitely. But if it's just like, you know, um, you know, and, and we spoke about this a lot on the weekend, so I'm not going to go into the whole thing about how we should honor the symbols of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So when I taught my course on the weekend, this issue of honoring Allah's symbols is something which our religion gives a lot of weight to. And from the greatest symbols of our religion is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, right? And these things of the Qur'an that every Muslim knows. Even if they've hardly memorized anything of the Qur'an, they've memorized Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Right? So this is something which is a symbol. So when you overuse it or you use it incorrectly, you diminish its status and the respect that people have it. So, you know, you have to like, you have to understand that, I think. Any other questions? Okay, we'll take that as the last question, inshallah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll take your question as the last question then. Sorry for the comments, John, but as you're talking about the uh, I had a flashback to one of Ahmed Didat, Rahimahullah's debates where he was kind of bringing one of the arguments from the Old Testament about the Prophet to come uh, and give to Allah and say that he'll speak in my name. Um, and so, you know, say that, say that again, sorry, he was arguing with someone and then what? So, in, uh, so Ahmed Didat would argue about there's a quote in one of the verses in Deuteronomy of the Old Testament which talks about a prophet that would come after Moses. Yeah. One of the traits is that he will speak in my name. He will mention my name? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically will speak in the name of Allah. Uh, and so he would link that with the Prophet and the Bismillah and things like this. Okay. Have you come across that? I haven't personally, but that's like, you know, so the brother saying that Shaykh um, Madidat, rahimahullah, in his debates and so on is to mention uh, quotes from the Old Testament that seem to say that when the Prophet comes, one of his traits will be that he will speak in Allah's name or he will mention Allah's name or something. So he would link that as being the best one of the Prophet would come and say Bismillah. I don't know. Like, I, haven't, I haven't studied the Old Testament, so I don't I wouldn't know. But, you know, if Ahmed did that, says, I'm not going to stand there and say he's wrong. So, yeah. Okay. So, inshallah, next week we're at the same time. 8, eight o'clock, inshallah, after Isha, 8.20 online. Um, بإذن الله تعالى جزاكم الله خير وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين